We'll see how we go. We'll see how we go. All right, are we ready for the word? Yeah. <laughs> this is church. We're supposed to be serious in church, all this frivolity kind of Anyway, it's awkward. Uh, we're going through the book of Romans, and, and I'm loving it. And I just love how it's just so cool because I'm going through a bit by bit. But each Sunday when I bring something, stuff happens around what I was going to bring. Like Matt has already brought that word about uh, mercy today, which was so incredible. And it really ties in with what I'm talking about. Um, you can see the book of Romans is broken up into a heap of parts. And we're towards the end of God's forgiveness, chapters 3 to 5. We're finishing off chapter 5 today. Uh, and we're going to get through that. And we're talking about the benefits of belonging to Christ. That's what chapter 5 really talks about. And uh, I landed, uh, as I said, at the end of verse um, 5 uh, last week. I might read it first, actually, before showing this video. Uh, Romans chapter 5 verses 3 to 5 and it says and not only that but we also glory in tribulations we love tough times right uh, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance perseverance character and character hope now hope does not disappoint I love that because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us let's just take a look at the screen The Creator crafted the sun, the moon, the stars, divided light from dark, to distinguish seasons on this earth we call ours. For this reason, we enjoy fruits to be eaten. The Maker made it all miraculously mold together in amazing sequence. His mercy doesn't change, it has complete freedom. It reigns and remains throughout every season, like a never-ending paradise. Mercy is fruit that is always ripe, like a taste of heaven with hope, peace, love and twine. Like a fountain that doesn't run dry. This mercy is outside of time. This creator God never says no to those who ask for mercy. His arms are always open to those who are thirsty. His love is not conditional, not earthly. You don't have to have it all together or be worthy. He is always listening. He speaks words of wisdom and peace. Formed everything from nothing, creates light in those who believe, provides hope for those in pain, forms light where dark reigns. And just like the setting sun, he makes everything one again. He forgives all mistakes, he can fill every void, and truly brings real joy. Whatever your need, hear the voice of grace. These seasons come and go, but this mercy never fades. So good. So good. The video says, whatever you need, hear the voice of grace. That was my word to you today. Come as you are. The, the voice of grace is you don't have to keep up appearances. You don't have to walk the walk and talk the talk and, and look a certain way and pretend that everything's okay. But the voice of grace gives you permission to come as you are in the midst of whatever it is that you're facing. Whatever you need, hear the voice of grace. These seasons come and go. Hilltops, valleys. That's what we talked about last week. But this mercy never fades. There is always hope in Jesus. It's always there. The question is, is do our eyes wander when we go through that difficult season? And you know what? It, it can happen. Let's be real. 
Some of us have been through very challenging times. And it's so easy in the aftermath, in hindsight, to go, yay, God. But when you're in the midst of the valley, that's a tough time. That's when you need support around you. That's when you need the Holy Spirit to come and bring supernatural peace because in, in, in the natural, it, it makes sense to be fallen and broken and, and confused and upset and maybe even angry at God. But his mercy never fades. Hope always endures. So let's continue today. I've read this already, so we'll go to verses uh, 6 to 8, and we'll continue from there. So Romans chapter 5, verses 6 to 8 says this, For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We were dirty, we were messy, we were broken. You might even call us the ugly duckling. That we were just in such a position of mess. We were completely powerless to do what was right and Jesus still died for us. It says, few if any will die for a good man, though some might, but God's love is so gracious that he died for us when we were still sinners, when we were still a broken mess. He did not wait for us to clean up our acts and get everything in alignment and everything, you know, squeaky clean in our lives. He died for the ungodly, for the fallen, the broken, the sinful. You know, our experience of God's love is subjective, but, but there's an objectiveness to God's love as well. That Jesus died for us when we were sinners is unmistakable proof that God loves us. You can't argue that fact. Because he died for us when we were broken and, and, and a mess. So he, there's no doubt that he loved us. Because who would do something like that for someone so broken, so full of mess? God did it anyway. You can stake your life on it that God loves you. When you find love, you find God. Where you find love, you find God. God is love personified. And because he died for us despite our sinful ways. Verses 9 to 11 goes on to say, Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. In other words, the penalty that Matt talked about. It's paid in full. We're saved from that penalty because of him. For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. Who remembers this song? Um, Celebrate good times. Oh, there you go. There goes a few of you. That's good. This side was a little quiet over here. Maybe these are the more spiritual, holy people that don't sing secular songs in church. But maybe we're more like the ungodly. That, yeah, we, won't, we won't compare. We won't contrast. I bet if I did it again, I'd get more buy-in. But I'm not going to. Uh, how exciting that we've received reconciliation with God. That is worthy of a party. To be celebrated. It isn't any wonder that when someone gets saved, 
not only is there a party here, we get so pumped and excited when someone gives their life to Jesus, yeah? Uh, who's led someone to the Lord before and been able to experience it? You know what I'm talking about. There's, there's this overwhelming sense of excitement that someone's eternity has been transformed forever. That is so exciting. But there's a party in heaven going on too. The Bible tells us that when one sinner repents, wow, there is a party going on with the angels. And who wants to be part of that party? Come on. Nobody. No, no, it's encouraging. So, well, we were busy before Christ came and even after Christ came. People are busy hating on God. They're busy hating on him. You know, spitting on him, throwing dirt in his face when he was here. That's what we were busy doing, kicking him. And while he was busy taking our sin upon his own back and dying for us, we did all of that. So Paul asks a simple question in this scripture. If that's how God treated us when we were his enemies, don't you think he'll be good to us now that we're his own? How good is our good, good father? When he treated us like that when we were still sinners, how much more now that we belong to him will he love on us and be there for us? You know, God's done that which is difficult, which is loving one's enemies. How many of you struggle with loving your enemies? Come on, let's be real. Oh, yeah. It's hard. <laughs> you just want to spit in their face. You just want to throw it back at you. You want to punch it. You want to, whatever you want to do. Uh, it's hard. But if God has done that which is difficult, loving, loving one's enemies, of course, he's going to do that which is easy, which is loving on your friends. Who finds it easy to love on your friends? It's a little easier, isn't it? We get along. We don't argue much. <laughs> we, you know. Christ's death has reconciled us to God, meaning we now have relationship, open relationship. Matt again alluded this morning that before Christ, to be able to get anything to God, we had to do it through the high priest who had to go in and, and make the sacrifice and do everything right lest he be struck down uh, in the midst of God's presence. And so it was so strict and difficult to get into God's presence and, and present these things. Whereas now that Christ has come, that relationship is restored. We are reconciled to our God and Christ's resurrection ensures that we will now live new lives in him because of the price that Jesus paid. We are new creations. Amen. Amen. And, and so Paul writes that we will praise God because of what he's done. What a change we've, we've experienced going through the book of Romans from three chapters ago back in chapter two. Uh, and we're talking about God, the judge, and, and now... Uh, you know, you're going to be sitting in judgment. God judges this and that, and it's all it's all very old. But but now through our Lord Jesus Christ, we're praising God, who is still our judge, but He has grace afforded towards us because of what Christ has done. He walked into that courtroom and He paid the fine for you, which is death. The wages of sin is death. Jesus paid that price with His own death. And so we don't need to live under judgment and condemnation anymore because Christ paid the price for you and for me. We need not, or indeed we cannot, do anything to earn this reconciliation. It is a gift given to us by the work of Jesus. The reconciliation is done. That means there's no correspondence entered into. There's no emails or tweeting. or well, it's not tweeting anymore. I don't know. X. What is that? Uh, <laughs> there's no communication entered into it is finished and done reconciliation is done all we have to do is receive it make that conscious choice
to make Jesus Christ our Lord, believe in what he's done, the finished work on the cross, and receive it. That's all you've got to do. You don't have to dress the right way, talk the right talk, use the right lingo, turn up to church every Sunday. You need a transformation in your heart, a knowledge that now says, I am a beloved child of God because of what he's done for me. And, and understand that he has done this work despite your sinful ways. So there's no way you could have entered because he loved you before you loved him. That's what's powerful about our God. He loves us first. Amen. Amen. Verses 12 to 14. Let's keep going. Therefore, just as through one man's sin entered the world, and death through sin, and, and thus death spread to all men, because all sin, for until the law sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned, according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. Uh, you know, reading all of this, we need a wanted sign. Remember the old Westerns? Wanted, and we'll just say, a new covenant, please. Uh, that's what we want. <laughs> when do we want it? Yeah. <laughs> there was no sin in the Garden of Eden, where Adam and Eve uh, were. It was a perfect environment. And Adam and Eve were free to live in perfect happiness, having fellowship with God and with each other. What a, what a way that would have been to live. No burden, no depression, no brokenness, no disappointment, no sadness. Well, you know, there's a place like that that I know we're all going to, and it could be sooner than we all think, who knows. Uh, but we're excited to get there when we get there. Well, they were capable of perfect obedience, Adam and Eve. But how long they enjoyed that state, we're not quite sure. The Bible isn't talking in minutes, hours, days, years, in that time. But Paul explains the sequence of events at the point where sin entered their experience as the consequence of their actions. And this is what we refer to, and most Christians would know the term, the fall. This is the fall of man. This is where the fall Happened. It's the historical event where Adam and Eve sinned and death, both spiritual and physical, became a part of human experience. And this is also referred to as, you might have heard the term, original sin. There's only original sin because it was the very first sin. So, Paul, Paul says, death spread to all men because all sinned. What that means is we are depraved from birth. There's nothing we can do about it. We are born into a sinful world. The entrance of sin into life on this planet created an immediate need for a new approach to God. And, and, and the God is the one who knew no sin. Here God began to make a way for sinners, us, to be received into the holy kingdom through a covenant of grace. It, it doesn't make sense. We, we don't understand it. The, the world doesn't get it. That's why it's a... It's a challenge to bring the good news message of Jesus even more so today. Because our world is so geared around works. So geared around having to work to earn something. You know, we have to fight to get this. We have to... Uh, it's a challenge to live in the world that we live because that's the mindset. But then you go up to someone and you say, well, you don't have to do anything. You just have to believe in Jesus. They're like, oh, what's the catch? What's the catch? Do I have to sign a membership? Do I have to give a certain amount to your church? What's the catch? There's a catch. They're always thinking there's a catch, but there's no catch. 
um, I guess if there was a catch, we'd say, well, the only catch is you've got to surrender your whole life. <laughs> Let's keep going. Verse uh, 15 to 17 says this. But the free gift is not like the offence. For if by the one man's offence many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned, for the judgment which came from one offence resulted in condemnation. But the free gift which came from many offences resulted in justification. For if by the one man's offence death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Grace is on the house. Grace is on this house. It's free. You don't have to pay for it. It's a gift. We can't earn it. The free gift is not like the offense. In, in that while sin made us all dirty, we're all dirty. We're born into this world dirty. I'm sorry, you look at your newborn, you're like, oh, so dirty, unfortunately because of the original sin. So, so we're born into this world dirty. God's grace is more than enough to wash the dirt away. More than enough. Until we gleam with the brightness, the holiness of God, His grace is the only thing that can achieve that. To put it simply, God's grace is bigger than sin. And the final results of grace will be far from the results of sin. The results of grace is eternity with your Heavenly Father. It's eternal forgiveness. It means that there's nothing that you can do that can separate you from God when you accept Him because His grace is more than enough to forgive. Paul is seeking to show that the sin of one man, Adam, the original sin came into the world through Adam, brought all people into condemnation. So everyone, everyone that's not even here yet, everyone, everyone. But God's grace is sufficient to overcome that condemnation. That's how powerful grace is. While sin destroys life, great lives, grace helps us to live life, a full life, a life full of abundance. And I don't just mean money, abundance in every aspect of your life. God's gift of life through Jesus Christ eradicates the consequences of sin because the wages of sin is death. God paid the price, he died. Debt paid in full. The big rubber stamp. It's done. So good. There's eight times in Romans, and we're going to just quickly look at them. There's eight times in Romans, uh, chapter 5, verses 15 to 17, where Paul speaks of grace and the gift. Uh, I'm told at Bible college, if there's like two mentions, that makes it important. Well, this is eight. So we better wake up and pay attention. Uh, the free gift is not like the offence, verse 15. There's a whole bunch in verse 15, actually. The grace of God is mentioned in verse 15. The gift again is mentioned in verse 15. The grace of the one man is in verse 15. The gift mentioned in verse 16. The free gift, which will come from, came from many offences, verse 16. Uh, abundance of, uh, verse 17. And 
and, and then the gift of righteousness, verse 17. Paul was literally stumbling over himself to make certain his readers understood that they didn't have to do anything to have their sins forgiven except receive through faith in Jesus Christ. That was so important and it still is so important today because the culture of the world tries to invade our headspace. And it tries to tell us, well, you're not worthy. You're not good enough. The enemy gets in your ear. Oh, you're not saying, you don't know the right words. You don't remember your scriptures. You're not praying. You're not reading your Bible. You're such a failure. You're, you're a hypocrite. You're, you're a bigot. Whatever all these words are coming into your mind because of the world and the enemy that's in the world that wants to bring you down. But God wants to tell you that you are restored. And if you receive his grace, none of those words can control and manipulate you anymore. Amen. You are free from condemnation because the Bible tells us there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so someone in the room today needs to hear that word, that you are released from condemnation. Stop listening to that negative voice in your ear because it's the enemy trying to drag you down. I'm here to tell you today that your Savior died for you so that you could be made free and loosed from those chains in Jesus' name. And so... Through faith in Jesus Christ, reconciliation has come. You can have relationship with your heavenly Father. You don't have to listen to that voice anymore, but you can incline your ear to the voice of the Holy Spirit, the encourager, the one that brings wisdom, the one that blesses you with comfort in the midst of challenge. I want to encourage you today to incline your ear to that voice. Let's turn the volume down on the voice of the world. He's had his time, and it's now over. We met with one of our um, Islander friends. They're not here today. Um, they're actually going home today. And um, Anita and I met with them on uh, Friday. And they sadly had a, a terrible situation that they were going home to. Since they've been here, they've been here for nine months. And um, since they've been here, their husband, who was caring for their kids, left. And fortunately... Um, this culture, they live in family tribe. So there was other family there. So, And, and the kids, in fairness, were a, are a little older. One is actually 18. I think one was six, 16 or 15, and one was about 13. But it's still hard when, when Dad just ups and goes. And, uh, and so we met with this um, this uh, Islander friend, and, and we, we just encouraged her. We prayed with her. And uh, she walked in, shoulders slumped, but she left with her head held high knowing that her God is with her in the midst of trial and everything we've been preaching the last couple of weeks, that even in trials, God can be with you and sustain you and encourage you through the storm, all of those things. But we watched um, and I felt to show her, who's seen War Room? And there's that scene in the movie War Room where where the mother of the house takes control of the house. And uh, you don't mess with a woman like that. She just, (laughs) you know what I'm talking about. She's like, you know, devil... This house is under new management. You're no longer welcome here. In fact, get out. You have no place. You've had your fun, but I'm sick of your lies. I'm sick of your teasing. I'm sick of your words of discouragement. This place is under new management and you are out. And she's like this and talking over the devil. Get out. And, another, and then she goes to go back inside. And she comes out. And another thing. Because, you know, <laughs> women have a lot to say. But it's okay. You're allowed to take authority. It's all good. Don't throw stuff at me. Uh, but we reminded our Islander friend of this, you know. So your husband might have left you. He doesn't have faith either, so we prayed for him for salvation. Uh, 
that you are in absence of him taking spiritual control of your home you go home and you walk through your home and you talk like this lady i sent her the link of it so she can watch it again and uh, i sent her some scriptures as well to encourage her uh, i said you go home and you talk like this in your house you take authority over your children your home and even your husband and you just say god get him get him jesus sort him out sort him out and then bring him back to me all fixed that would be awesome so so we did that. But you've got to know that you can take authority. As children of the Most High God, you don't have to surrender to the voice of the world, the negativity, the, 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 the discouragement, the disappointment. You can actually take authority. And the grace is on the house. The grace is on you to see through those seasons. Amen? Amen. Let's keep going. This is the last of chapter 5. Verses 18 to 21 says... Uh, therefore, as through one man's offence, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation, even so through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience many will be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offence might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more praise the lord so that as sin reigned in death even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through jesus christ our lord celebrate good times oh, that was a bit better that was a bit better very good very good here paul is offering i guess a concluding statement to the chapter a concluding statement on the nature of the fall and the condemnation it brought upon humanity. And what one man's sin brought upon the entire human race, it's mind-boggling. But when you stop and think about it, one choice by Adam and Eve impacts all of us. That's huge. That's huge. Paul reviews the consequences of Adam's sin and Jesus' gift of life for all who believe, and he addresses offence, condemnation, righteousness, justification, life, sin, grace, death, obedience, and how all those things work together to point us to Jesus Christ. And when Paul says the law entered that offence might abound, he's saying the more clearly we see what's right, the more things we discover are wrong. We start to notice because sin imputes, uh, imputes right? The, the law imputes. So without the law, remember I said they both play a part. It's not law or grace. It's a balance of both. Because without the law, how do we know we've sinned? And, and without knowing that we've sinned, how do we know that we need grace? How do we know that we need forgiveness? So the more people realize they are sinners and are dead, the more aware we become of the penalty that God has saved us from. So we don't become perfect when we're Christians. That'd be nice. Wouldn't life be easy if we uh, didn't have to worry about sin anymore? But we need that constant reminder that we need a saviour. And yes, we have this pivotal moment in our lives that most of us in the room have experienced where we've surrendered our life to Jesus. What a powerful moment that was in our life. But each and every day, the Bible tells us, work out our salvation daily with fear and trembling. Not fear as in... But fear is in a reverence. 
that God is so amazing that he would do this for me. How could I not want to live a life that pleases you, God, because of everything that you have done? And so Paul's emphasis is on life, not death. Those in Jesus Christ, past, present and future, are no longer dead, but they are alive. Thank you, Jesus. And grace abounds for those whose hearts are anchored in Christ Jesus as Lord and Saviour. And at great cost, Jesus paid our debt of sin. And his grace abounds to every single person who believes. If you come up, Jeremy, that would be awesome. We, we never arrive. We never make it. We, we get that spirit of complacency that comes upon us, perhaps, when we've been believers for a long time. Oh, I know all of that, Pastor Jeremy. I've heard it all before. But we need to be having a revelation every single day of what God has done for us. May we never lose the thankfulness and gratitude in our hearts for what Jesus has done. Because it's when we do that that the flame starts to flicker a little and maybe even almost goes out. I don't want to say that you stop being in fellowship with God, but, but there just comes a time where you think, oh, I've heard it all. I know it all. I've been a Christian since the days of Noah. And, uh, you know, I, I know I know the ins and outs. I know what he's going to say. I know he's going to do an altar call in a minute. I know he's going to ask people to surrender to Jesus. You, you do. You get this judgmental spirit upon you when you get complacent. It's like, oh, every church says, it's all the same. We always do that. But you know what? We just talked about the party that happens when a sinner repents. I'm never going to stop doing altar calls in our church. You might all be saved here today, and I hope you are, and you probably are. There could be someone online. We don't know. People tune in online. Hello, by the way. And, uh, and and they tune in, and who knows where they're at with God. But there will never be a meeting at Vineyard Christian Church that I'm leading where we don't actually give an opportunity for people to say yes to Jesus. May we never get so complacent that we lose the value and importance in seeing people say yes to Jesus. And not just in church on Sunday. May we approach every day. God, use me today. I incline my ear to your voice. Speak to me. Lead me in the paths of people that need to hear about you. Create yourself a little list. I love Marion's done this. Sorry to pick on you, Marion. She's got it like on her lock screen on her phone now. And she has a list of people that she's believing for salvation. And one of them's ticked. Woo! And we're going to believe, I think it's 10 names. You've got your 10 or something, thereabouts. There'll probably be 20 by the end of this week. Uh, that's it. But we're praying for the day when all those boxes are ticked. They've all surrendered their life to Jesus. Who are you believing for? Who in your world are you believing to receive the awesome good news that you carry that is about Jesus? Who are you actively praying for? They're good challenges, aren't they? Some people are like, oh. I really need to look at that. That's good. It's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit putting on your heart that need to pray for others, that need to believe for others, to come to the same knowledge that you have. Praise God you're saved. That is so good. You know where you're going. You know what? While you're here, God's got a plan for you. And he wants you to share that good news with others. So I just, I'll, I'll pray for us at the end of the service, that God would continue to stoke that flame within us 
that the spirit of complacency would go and that we would understand the necessity that we share the good news. You may not be a Reinhard the donkey. Or a, did I say it right? That's how you You may not be a Billy Graham. You may not be someone who's going to preach to tens of tens of hundreds of thousands. But you know what? We can all reach one. We can all have a phone lock screen with one name on it that we're believing for salvation. Would you bow your heads? If you're in the room and you need Jesus, like I said, we, we don't go past any meeting without giving people the opportunity to say yes to Jesus. I want to encourage you today, if you're in a place where you're away from him at the moment, surrender your life today. Don't delay, because God's got work for you to do. But the first work he needs to do is in you. He wants to transform your heart, change your life, and encourage you to live a life that is pleasing to him. And a life that's pleasing to him is a life that is sharing the good news with others. His command to us was to go into all the world and make disciples. And so our job is to share the good news. But before that, we need the good news to infiltrate our heart. So if you need Jesus, just lift up your hand where you are right now. We're going to pray for you. As a church, we're all going to pray this anyway. If you're at home, please respond. God, I can't see your hand raised in your living room, but I can ask you to respond. God's looking for a response in your heart today to surrender your life to him. So let's pray this as a church family and just believe for God to continue to use us and move in our lives. Pray like this. Dear Jesus, we thank you that you came, that you died for us, that we could live a new life. You conquered sin and death. You conquered the grave. You rose again to new life. And today I choose to embrace new life. Because you've washed me clean because of what you've done. I choose to live for you from this day forward. I choose to serve you and I choose to share your good news with everyone that you put across my path. Lead me and guide me from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now praise God and thank Him for parting in heaven. You don't know who's responded today, but God responds when one person surrenders their life. There is a party going on. I want to pray for you. Would you stand? And if you're willing, maybe lift up your hands if you can, or just put them in front of you if that's easier. Because I want you to receive something today from the Holy Spirit as we come to a close. I just believe God has something to deposit in each of us that's going to help remove that spirit of complacency I talked about, that spirit of maybe comfort, staying comfortable. And he's going to encourage you and empower you, give you what you need to share the good news of Jesus. Heavenly Father, I pray for every person with their hands raised, their hands before them, their hearts open. Holy Spirit, would you pour it out into each one? God, would you touch and minister to each person? Lord, as we've spoken about today, complacency, let it be gone in the name of Jesus. Fan the flame that is within us again, Holy Spirit. Fan the flame that we once started burning when we first said yes to you. May that fire get ever so much brighter, so much stronger. God, that people would literally be saying to us this week, what's going on in you? What's happening in your life? And you can say, well, the Holy Spirit touched me. 
and his reignited that flame. And I've just got to tell you about Jesus because he's been so, so good to me. So fan the flame, Holy Spirit. Fan the flame. Encourage us. Remind us in the busyness of life, the value and importance of sharing the good news. God, we believe that you will lead us to opportunity, that they would be God-appointed opportunities, not in our own strength, but as you lead. And if we follow that leading, God, we know that the burden is easy, the yoke is easy, the burden is light. And so, God, it's not going to be a struggle to share Jesus. It's going to come so naturally. It's going to come so powerfully that we're going to see a lot of boxes ticked, a lot of souls saved, a lot of people coming to heaven now because of the work that you're doing through each and every one of us. So I pray, Holy Spirit, seal that word today in all of our hearts. In Jesus' name. And together we all said, Amen. Amen. God is good. All the time.